Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Um, we are super excited to have uh, someone I've gotten to know over the last few months and who um, reached out to me. We'll maybe dig into that a little bit to, to do some stuff she's working on. Um, but her name and welcome, Amy Looper. And Amy has got several amazing things she does. Um, one of the most important things I, I love is that her, you tell me, Amy, if it's the primary of this leading motherhood yeah. piece. And am, am I giving it the right piece? So founder, yeah. CEO, creator, leading motherhood, but I'm going to shut up and um, let you tell people what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, Richard, I spent, you know, 18 years in, in the corporate sales world, SaaS sales, healthcare IT, cybersecurity, um, and, and then, you know, 2020, right before the pandemic, I, um, I just realized my husband and I kept high-fiving in the hallway going like, okay, we're parents of two kids and we're running the rat race of both working in big tech. And what are we doing? We're kind of missing out on some stuff. And so we made the decision to really, you know, kind of like go out on a limb. And, and I started my own consulting company I started doing advisory for startups then it kind of wound into uh, sales enablement projects. And then, you know, over time, I realized my true passion was really that coaching piece, right? I had been a sales leader for, for a long time. And I just, I've always loved coaching, uh, coaching and impacting women. And especially in my journey as a working mom, you know, overcoming burnout, overcoming things like postpartum depression. I had that twice with two kids like some really heavy stuff. And, and, and I know that I'm not the only one yeah. and most, most high achievers will go through these kind of periods of time where they're experiencing some heavy things, but maybe pushing it under yeah. the rug. So it's been a blessing to be able to, to formulate a program called leading motherhood that really helps women overcome burnout and chronic stress. That's great. I want to dig it. We're going to dig in um, very specifically on, um, uh, I think on the postpartum thing, if you don't mind, I, I'm a guy. I'm in sales. I have a wife, you know, um, and uh, we were fortunate enough to not have that challenge. Um, and I just want to, I want to dig into that because I think a lot of guys don't know. So yeah. I want to have this conversation um, and um, so that one, support the women who are listening, like let them know they're not alone. Mm -hmm. uh, let them know. And, and then dig into like this 18 year corporate career and mommy and like this whole chaos of like trying to do it all. I mean, I know you offline, like I, I know you, so I know like a little bit, but um, we've never had this discussion. So, um, yeah. so, so tell me, you know, where I mean, define it. Like, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is something guys, yeah, yeah. Don't, we hear this word and we're like, oh, okay. I guess that's depression and it doesn't get talked about. I, yeah. And my guess is it doesn't get talked about unless it's happening to you and your spouse or your significant other, um, you know, so kind of, kind of like that phrase, miscarriage, right? Like it, it happens to a lot of people. And um, yeah, um, I think, you know, I think media has painted this picture of, you know, and you kind of think postpartum depression, right? It can be kind of almost triggering for some people. Like I don't have postpartum depression because they kind of associate it with this image that the media is painted, right? The mom that's like jumping off of a 22 story building, you know, and, and those cases unfortunately can happen, um, but it's not the everyday case. And the everyday case 
is, you know, your mom that's going in the grocery store. And it could be like, it could be somebody they're passing the grocery store. You're like, wow, she just had kids and she's got her stuff together. You can just tell she's all buttoned up and looking great. And like, just <laughs> she's perfect like, on the oh, outside, right? Yeah, the makeup's great, yeah, right? Yes, exactly. She's like the Barbie mom, right? And then you're like, oh, I didn't realize that actually postpartum depression and anxiety can can really be living underneath all of that. Like, you know, and you know my story. I, t- I talk about depression and those kinds of things. What... If you're comfortable sharing, mm-hmm. what's it? What does it feel like? And I know the answer is well, it depends because they're different. You know, there's there's a right. spectrum of this stuff. But as a guy, we've never really had a serious conversation, even with my wife about it. And we would if I wanted to. Um, can you describe kind of what it feels like for certain people? Um, yeah. If you're open to that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, some of my, you know, I went through it twice. Two different types of. Um, experiences from one was caused really from kind of just trauma. We had uh, some family members, uh, you know, go through some traumatic things while I was trying to, you know, recover from giving birth. And and when you're so sleep deprived, it oftentimes feels like this empty hole where you're just like, I'm drowning in exhaustion and I'm drowning in like chaotic things happening around me. And I just am trying to feed my baby and my baby's not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. Like it's that chaotic newborn phase that can sometimes happen. Yeah. Sometimes people really luck out and they get at a smooth start and God bless all of you that have mm-hmm. that. But for some of us, you know, if your hormones are kind of on this huge roller coaster, your body is going through a big recovery based on how you had your baby. Um, it can be a lot. Um, and so it can oftentimes feel like you're on a roller coaster and going into like this deep, dark hole of despair and hopelessness because you're just exhausted mm-hmm. um, and something is not feeling right in your mm-hmm. center. You know, it's really like a physical. A yeah. Physical thing. And that, I mean, I can identify with that depression part. Like there's like I always said, and, and I am not trying to belittle or turn this into me. I've always said that there was just this general sadness in me. It was never a wanting to hurt myself or hurt somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that type of depression exists. Um, mm-hmm. You know, can you, and I, I mean, I don't know, cause I mean, you said you've had it twice. Mm-hmm. Can you articulate the difference between tired and exhaustion, which all new parents go through, particularly yeah. the mother, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. Dads do too, but hats mm-hmm. off to the moms. Right. Um, yeah. And, and what you, and what like postpartum is like, what is there, you know, again, it's a spectrum and it's a, it's a scale. Where, where is it? I'm exhausted versus, oh, something's a little more than that. Yeah. So, so all of it is depression and anxiety where you can really delineate the difference. And there's, you may have heard of baby blues, baby blues yeah. can happen in the first 30 days, right? So that can be like that first 30 days of just like, Ooh, what just happened? What am I feeling? You know, I'm feeling like I'm on the roller coaster, but that will subside after like three weeks. Um, and Oh, by the way, postpartum depression also happens to one in 10 dads. So this can also going to be my next question, but let's yeah, we'll come back <laughs> to that. I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so after, you know, after a month, if you're still feeling those same feelings of depression, anxiety, Again, it's depression and anxiety in the postpartum phase. So, you know, there's 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 also some perinatal mood disorders that would be diagnosed by a physician. 
um, that may be different than postpartum depression, but kind of categorized in that, in that same realm, which would be like psychosis. Right. And that's when you start hallucinating. Um, I had an episode of that once where I thought I was so like, I was just so at my wit's end. My, my baby was sleeping. She had a tongue tie. Like we just were beyond exhausted. And I thought somebody was literally taking my baby out of my home. Oh my God. It was very scary. And so luckily my husband was there. My nanny was, was there. At the yeah. Time. yeah. <laughs> oh my and God. And they were like, okay, you need to go to sleep, you know? Yeah. And so you, I really tell women, you've got to get six hours of uninterrupted sleep. However you get that, hire someone, whatever, share it with your spouse. Like you have got to get your sleep because yeah. you will reach a point where it's beyond like beyond, you well, know? I want to come back to the men piece in a minute, but you said you had it in two different ways. And I promise everybody who's listening, we will go talk about sales and business, but this is a really important topic. Like it's super important and it's not talked about enough. Um, and I think it's certainly not talked about with these high achieving sales leaders and revenue people who think exactly. that they've got to click on all this, you know, they got to click all the buttons. Um, what was the difference like the second time if you're comfortable sharing? And if you're not, it's yeah. okay. No, it's good. It's okay. So this, so I even went, um, knowing that I had this experience with my first daughter, right? I had a, I had a kind of a crazy pregnancy with my first daughter. I was on bed rest, newly, newly promoted sales manager. Oh my God. Um, and, oh yeah. And then right when I got my promotion, I was in California with the sales rep going to train her and then had an episode where I had to go to the hospital. My baby was only like 19 weeks long. So it was like, it was like kind of crazy. So like, you need to come, like you need to stay in bed rest for the rest of the pregnancy. And of course, being a sales manager, just newly promoted, that was like not an option. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had an awesome team supporting me and my leadership was awesome. Yeah. Um, and we made it all work. But Hold on. Um, I want to yeah. I want to pause there for a second. Yeah. Because I can only imagine this happens to so many women. These two super wonderful things in your life can happen about your career and a promotion. And now all of a sudden. You're also pregnant, which is an amazing experience. Right. And then do you, and then I assume it's kind of like, well, I can't turn down the, like you tried, this is where super mom comes in, right? Like, is that, yeah. is that a correct yeah. assumption or my off base? Well, it definitely comes in, in my situation where I literally had doctor's orders of like, we, we were able, my husband had to come up to California Um, he had to, you know, chaperone me home. I was in a wheelchair. They're like, if you have any kind of you know, episode, episodes like a bleeding. Wait, wait, wait. So, so you went to California, not knowing there were, there might be some, you just thought you were pregnant and then all of a exactly. sudden things start. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was scary. Wow. And wow. they were like, they're going to have to land the plane. If you have another episode and you have to like stay really still and you can't make any like sudden movements. <laughs> oh my and God, Amy, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, I was on like house arrest, you know, like for like the rest of the pregnancy for months. Right. So, so right. it's like, no wonder I was a little bit uh, yeah. depressed. So, <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I want to dig in because, you know, we I do want to talk about, I want to come back to the second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about this career piece because it's so important. Yeah. Um, and again, I can't, you know, it look hats off to the mother. But this also affects the father. The father's going to have to be, your husband's got to be around and help you, right? Like this is that sort of like, oh, you know, and that's also a hard 
challenge. Um, you know, plus if you're both, you know, making the income for the family and there's all that pressure and all that stuff. What um in and again, it could have been timing of like I didn't know I was going to be pregnant when I got the promotion. Mm-hmm. What's the one, the one piece of advice you would give women who are entering this next stage of their career and life and motherhood? Like, is there mm-hmm. one piece of advice about balance or turn down the promotion or like what is any what comes to mind having been through what you've been through? Yeah. Don't turn down the promotion. If you want that, those kind of things, do it. There's no reason to step back. Absolutely no way. Um, no reason to step back at all. And I would t- say- Typical that- male question for me to ask to think that that might be the answer. Like, <laughs> shame on me. No, no, it's good. And so the other thing I would say too is balance doesn't exist. Balance doesn't exist. We all want to look for, you know, finding balance. It's all about integration. Um, it's all about integration. And what I mean by that is when you're integrating your work, you know, your, your career aspirations and your personal life, the people that I work with, and I, and I think most people that are listening to your podcast, they're the high achievers. They want the 10 out of 10 in their personal lives and at the workplace. And so it requires integration, which means you may have days where you're stretched in one area or the other and other days where you're more focused on the other. So it's really about prioritizing and knowing. And here's the one tip I wanna leave your listeners with. Be prepared for change. When you are unattached mentally to everything going a certain flow and being that type A planner and you're open to just being fluid with change, that's huge. And that can really prevent some big, um, big hurdles that you might have in that postpartum era. Interesting. I like, I, I think that's just going to be the title, be prepared for change. Mm-hmm. Um, any examples of change that you, just so people can kind of get a, a use case versus a, you know, a marketing. Yeah. Model. Yeah. So, you know, it could be change in just your daily, every day, you know, Richard, I know this, you have kids, right? Your kids, <laughs> your kids are sick one day, right? And it throws the whole schedule off. Well, there you go. You got to pivot really quick. Um, you might be going to a client meeting and then it's like, oh, hold on. I got to reschedule. Yeah. One of, one of the things <clears throat> I've, I've heard and learned over the years, um, by the way, I was a terrible manager to, to some moms um, over the years. And uh, I made my amends. I wasn't like, you know, F you go back to work, but I was just like, I didn't have a clue because I didn't have kids. Right. Yeah. I've heard that, you know, I feel like it's, I feel like I hear it more about moms. I don't know that there's a tremendous level of guilt around yes. this motherhood stuff that mm-hmm. happens. What if, what's the one piece of advice around the guilt? Like, I like to give people really small tactical things. Like, yeah. um, what advice do you have for people who are experiencing that? We all experience it. And when you experience it, you're choosing to experience it. So I really feel that motherhood guilt is a choice that you make to step into. Now there are, there are circumstances all day long that could make you feel guilty, right? But right. you really have the power to either choose to feel that or 
you can really step into different parts of your leadership ability to say, wait a minute, like, okay, like I might not make this school musical today because maybe travel took you away or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but I'm going to be here and involved in my child's school, as an example, in these other areas. Yeah. And contribute yeah. that way. Yeah. I, I I went through a little bit of that, of missing some birthdays and some things. And, you know, my wife's like, you're around all fucking time. Like you work from home. You're there yeah. when they come home from school. You're there getting them to all the other events. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's birthday. Yeah, it's, you know, an event. It's something. Um, and I think the advice she gave me was, think about all the smiles you get on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our kids may frown, but it's not like they're frowning to make you feel guilty. They're frowning because they miss you and they'll be excited when you're back. Right. And for me, that's how I was able to work through that piece. And I, again, I'm not trying to belittle the motherhood side of it because, look, I did not carry this thing in my body. I am right. not responsible for you know, feeding them for the first several months or a year or two. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it's not the same. Um, but for the guys who are listening, I want them to know like, this is, you know, it's legit. Like this is legit too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanna, go ahead. Go ahead. I would just add one more thing to that too. I think, you know, as moms, yes, we go through that physical, like you birthed the baby and you have that connection and all that. Um, but I think it's also something too, where you're trying to figure out how you do that dance with your spouse. Like when does your, when did your spouse get to come in and, and care for the baby? Or, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in that, if you're in that very infant mm -hmm. phase where you're just trying to figure stuff out, mm -hmm. you know, looking at generosity, like, like your baby's a gift and to this world. And so other people get to like, hang out with your child too, and be part of it. It's not just about like me, 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 me. It's, it's mine. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think as moms, we get to kind of relinquish control a little bit and, and just kind of collaborate and uh, accept resources and a team to help out. That's great. I, I really appreciate it. So, um, and I like this, you know, I feel like we're trying to define the balance and give people some suggestions rather than go find balance. And, um, yeah. and I, you know, I also like what you said that it is a choice, right. And, you know, here you are, you definitely you went through some postpartum um mm -hmm. two times um and it sounds like at some point i don't know if you did the medication or you worked your way through it with therapy or whatever mm -hmm. and it's not like the flip of a switch like i'm going to say but at some point you had to choose to move forward that doesn't mean not be depressed yeah. it doesn't mean ignore that you know but at some point you kind of was there a moment? Was there this, was it that, or was it like, no, Richard, when you come out of depression, it's kind of like this slow, you know, thing. No. So, so it's the transformational work. And I talk about it all the time with people, you know, we, I had postpartum depression with my firstborn. I had lost my father-in-law to suicide a year later. Ugh. And then I had, a, and then I had my second baby surprise, surprise hubby, you turned 40 and we're having a second baby. We're, you know, awesome. Yeah. Um, but I tried to avoid postpartum depression, not knowing what I know now, because I've studied right. a lot of perinatal medicine, but, but I thought I could prevent it. So I tried to do this, you know, um, this, you know, I tried to do a, a, a after I had a C-section, they called a VBAC. Um, I tried to do a VBAC to avoid that. And that ended up in a hor horrible situation. And so, 
it was a birthing trauma. And so it was like, after all this time, you know, I had done EMDR therapy. I had done, you know, I visited a therapist a few times. I'd taken um, a depression medication for a very short time. I didn't feel great on it. So I got off of it. And then it was just like, I swept it under the rug for a, for a while and I just kept going. Right. I'm like, well, I'm going to go get into cybersecurity sales and go rock it, right. you know? Right. <laughs> um, and then it wasn't until I hit burnout that I was like, okay, you're going to take yourself out of the game for a hot second and do some transformational work. And that's where I really literally put that line of choice on the floor and was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to step over the line and really choose a different way of being instead of avoiding. Yeah. How long did you step out? Mm -hmm. How long Um, did you step and you said, hey, press pause on this side, focus on that? Yeah. Well, it was when I was an entrepreneur. So that first year of being an entrepreneur, I really used that time to not only do some consulting, but really work on myself because I knew there was so much grief there from what had happened in our, in our family and also the birthing experiences. I just needed like some time to heal. Um, And it took, you know, it took like a good year to really just kind of work through some of that stuff. So I want, I want to timeline this out a little bit Mm -hmm. as you're bringing this great perspective. And I don't know the answer to this, but, this isn't something that happened 10 years ago, is it? Mm-hmm. it Ava, Ava's now eight. And okay, my other so one. That one did. Six. Okay. So yeah. it did. Okay. And so you were able to come in and do that. Now I want to talk about re-entry, mm-hmm. right? So you took some time out, which mm-hmm. is great. And it sounded like you did the side hustle thing just to kind of keep your, your right. keep, you know, keep that part going, right? Right. You still need that motivation, like you're the high achiever, right? Mm -hmm. Then did you go back to the regular world? Nope, nope. I've just continued to niche and find find the right business niche. Okay. Was that, when you stepped out, was that your plan to not go back? No, it wasn't. My my plan was really just to like kind of try out this entrepreneur thing for a minute and see what happens. I really didn't have a plan. I just knew that I was just, burned out and needed a break. Yeah. So let's, let's dig, let's shift to the business side. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as we do that, um, we're going to give people your contact information. In fact, Amy, tell people your contact information. Like, I'm sure there's some people are going to want to reach out to you and just share this. Yeah, yeah. How can they, I know LinkedIn, Amy Looper, L-O-O-P-E-R, but what's, is there something yeah. else you want them to know? Yeah. Yeah. You can go to my website, which is Amy Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Looper.com. And, yeah. um, and connect with me there. Yeah. yeah. Amy Lee Looper, L-E-I-G-H. Um, let's shift over to the, a little bit more of what we normally do on a podcast, but I, I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing this. Yeah. I think it's super important for everybody. Um, and I have to sort of transition with that, you know, oh, and then, you know, here's, you know, thanks to our sponsors. And I, I, I appreciate the sponsors really a lot today because I think I know these sponsors, like I know Sendoso and I know Scratchpad and I know Outreach and all of those companies um, and MedRep Meeting, all of those companies would support a, someone going through this. Like I, I know the I know the CEOs and the founders. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I'm proud that, hey, I'm, look, I'm happy to have sponsors, but I'm really proud to know that they're the kind of people who would support someone going through this, like Amy, aside from being products. So let's talk about, you know, you definitely hit the side hustle very differently than everybody else, right? Like, did you, 
were you always the entrepreneur kid? Were you always like hustling and, and trying to, you know, the lemonade stand person? Were you? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I grew up in a farm in Iowa. So I was surrounded with, with that life and entrepreneurism since day one. Hold on. I don't. I look, I grew up in Macon, Georgia. Never in my mind would I think that farming is entrepreneurial. Draw yeah. that connection. Share that because that's that's cool. Because I don't think. Yeah. You know what you grow up learning is, you know, when you're when you're uh, in that industry, you know, that that person that owns the farm, the farmer, uh, they're putting out a big bet at the beginning of the year and they put a big bet in with the bank saying like, OK, I'm going to put my number on. 24 black <laughs> right. and it's good. And it's going to hit big here, you know? And so, and so it's just constant like gambling game really. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they grow the crops and they, you know, then that's how you make your money. Um, and so I grew up in that, in that risk taking kind of environment, which I think really prepped me to be able to just step out and be like, okay, I have faith that I have faith in God that he's going to just guide me to where I need to go. Right. And also to take big risks, Yeah. you know? Would, um, you know, do you think your parents are surprised, were surprised when you decided to, to go be an entrepreneur or they're like, yeah, Amy, we knew this all along. Yeah. Yeah. They were kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. My husband's yeah. like, you were cut out for this. Like, right. Let's do it. <laughs> so, um, what kind of farm was it? Like, what was it? Yeah. Like, uh, corn and beans. We had, um, we had cattle when I was little. Got it. And did you work the farm? Like, were you out there? Okay. Yeah. Okay. A little bit. Yeah. My dad was, was pretty cool. He didn't make us like do crazy chores, but like, right. you know, we were exposed to some stuff. Right. <laughs> gotcha. Sure. Gotcha. 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 So, um, well, that's cool. I never thought, I mean, you're hundred percent right. And again, just sort of that naivete to think, oh yeah, actually farming is probably the very first entrepreneurial job that ever even existed. If you yeah. like all the way back, like mm -hmm. it was, probably one of the very first so that's and then and you don't get a 14 day free trial with that one so <laughs> yeah um, exactly yeah and if you think about the mindset game of entrepreneurism yeah that's yeah. definitely a tough yeah. one <laughs> so um you know if you're comfortable sharing sort of on the entrepreneurial side what was a big risk that won but what was a big risk that you were just like Ugh, that failed miserably the biggest risk, well, I don't know that it failed, but I, well, okay. So failing forward. So getting out of my own way and it was really a fear and anxiety thing that held me up of saying like, okay, I've had this 18 year career in sales and SaaS and all the things that I'm super comfortable and could do in my sleep. But I knew that my heart was like, you had to also go through all this postpartum stuff and all the other things that you've learned in your leadership stuff that you get to go teach this. But in order to do that, I had to get out of my own way and trust that I could actually make that a business yeah. and create positive impact doing it. Was that the, when you say get out of your own way, because I say this all the time myself, mm -hmm. was that imposter syndrome for you? Or was it you would, because I struggle with like, being so tactical that I forget the strategy, which is yeah. different. To me, those are two similar, but different things. But yeah. what does that mean for you getting out of your own way? Yeah, I think there was some imposter syndrome. I think, um, yeah, just fear, to, fear of success too, like fear of success, where it was like, 
my, my marriage was getting better. We turned that around. Like, as you can imagine what would happen to your relationship after all the things I mentioned before, like, you know, we were going through some rough times and, but we've really brought it back in a short amount of time, less than a year, really rebuilding it to a whole new level of connection and which has been amazing. And so fear of success going like, what if this thing does take off? Like I've seen other people really take off, you know, like, am I going to lose all the things that I just built and spent a lot of hard work on, you know, mental right. hard work on. Right, 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 right. That's, this is great. Like this is a, this is a very different conversation, um, which I love because I, that's why mm -hmm. I, you know, by the way, thanks for sticking with us. I know we rescheduled on you like four times. Like you <laughs> told us to fly. It's all good. It's all good. Um, um, I want to I want to give you a second and and share some more stuff with with the audience about what it is you do. Like, what do you mm -hmm. help companies do? What because I think based on what you've shared, you you again eighteen years experience, right? Eight to ten years of motherhood through some very challenging times, plus some life challenging times with your father in law. Like, help people understand what is it Amy actually does, so that yeah. they know there is this kind of love and support in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So for individuals, I work with, you know, high achieving working moms to really help them overcome chronic stress, burnout, and, and live that life of connection that they so desperately desire and also build the career that they so desperately desire. Right. So we're, we're creating that, that both and situation in their lives. Um, in corporations, it's anywhere from, you know, I do some revenue consulting uh, still and, and working with people on, on that front, but also it's really about building company culture because as you think about scaling, uh, scaling revenue, scaling your company, it comes back to the culture that you're building. And so helping people really um, understand uh, the, the needs of caregivers and working parents so that they can build the company that's going to last and keep their employees around, you know, and avoid those costly turnover costs. Yeah. So good. We didn't, we didn't plan this, but now, you know, what we're going to talk about, let's talk about culture, right? Yeah. Like what are the shifts have changed? Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear that, you know, eight and 10 years ago uh, or eight years ago, that was your first child. Um, mm -hmm. The company was in my mind, that feels like that was progressive for eight years ago, but maybe I don't know because I'm a guy. And yeah. I've had my own business for 10 years, so I haven't lived in that corporate world. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like they were pretty forward thinking at that point? Or do you feel like, no, it was already, the transition had already happened. Like, and again, we're in SaaS, which is Startupville, you know, tech sales, yeah. right? So there's always, a, we're, we tend to be, uh, we tend to have crossed the chasm a lot of time yeah. sooner. Yeah. But do you feel like that was forward thinking or do you feel like that was... Um, I feel like it was definitely forward thinking in a way for sure. I mean, we were, you know, with a PE backed company. Um, but I would say it came down to my individual managers. It was like the individual manager. I, I, um, I just, you know, adored working for him because he was so supportive in so many different ways. Um, and he was also a dad, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like that, that immediate team. Um, I would say from an overall company culture though, being in health, it was a healthcare IT company. You know, they also had compassion, I think, uh, in healthcare. It was built so, within the DNA a little bit. It was in a DNA. Do do I think I would have the same experience working for in a different industry? Probably, probably not. Right. So I think in that way it was it was definitely progressive. So let's talk about that. If if 
companies are thinking about their culture. And I agree with you. It actually starts culture often starts at the bottom up. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, people think it's top down. Right. Mm-hmm. And they give these bullshit phrases like, Hey, our company is just like a family. No, it's not. <laughs> Cause you're going to kick me out. <laughs> if I can't. Mm-hmm. Rent, mm-hmm. You know? um, so, so it really does start at the bottom up. Like what you said, like, well, it kind of started with my manager. Yeah. What are one or two things? Let's, let's, well, to go from both things, let's start at the bottom up though. What's one or two things a leader, sales, marketing, anybody, engineering, IT can do to help make sure they're building a a healthy culture? I think it starts with, you know, just that empathetic leadership style, you know, like being, being that active listener, if you, if you're managing, you know, working parents as an example, and maybe you're not one yourself, like get to understand kind of what they're going through. Guilty, never did. Didn't understand why you had to leave to pick can't someone else. Isn't it somebody else's turn? Why is it always your turn? Oh yeah. I, I remember I was a woman being super annoyed by people. I wish, you know, I I like, wish Scott were here because uh <laughs> couldn't make it everybody because he, he's been ill, but I worked for Scott and um back in the day, Scott and I probably weren't the softest and kindest. Um, although the culture of the org wasn't built that way. So all right. So right. making that perspective, like stepping back and going, hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, okay, so that's one thing. Sorry, I interrupted you to talk about. That. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that's you know just really getting to know. It's about connection, right? Getting especially in sales, it it's a whole another level to be truly in relationship with people versus just treating everybody like a number. And so, if you look at how we used to sell back in the olden days, <laughs> mm-hmm. we used to all kind of be a little bit more transactional, right? I mean, right. it just it naturally was kind of that way. Um, and it was all about the number and all about that. And while numbers, yes, are important, um, it's I think we're post-pandemic, we're in this new new era where people are just humanly, they just need connection, authenticity. They want to know that you're curious about them and that you give two shits about them. Um, and I think that's the bottom line. If you can show your people that, yeah, you care um, enough to even listen and then make a determination around what needs to happen and navigate from there. I think that that's step number one. If you go in and if you're helping companies and they're trying to, let's say they're trying to adjust their culture, right? Like mm-hmm. rare is the company that's like the word, like, you know, maybe they still exist, but I'm thinking like the 1950s and 60s called like, let me rephrase that. Yeah. My mom went into sales, radio advertising. And when she interviewed the, the interviewer said, uh, you're not going to have any more kids, are you? Like in the interview, right? Like, so that is a difficult. I don't, I'm hoping that's not still out there. What are the two or three things that you see that companies need to adjust? And maybe this is a top down approach in different yeah. and bottom up, but like, what are like the commonalities of like, oh, this means you might want to focus on your culture a little differently? What are they doing wrong? Well, I mean, if you're seeing a high rate of attrition, right? If you're seeing patterns of that in different areas, then you get to go address that. You you get to do that as leaders, um, it, you know. And I think if you're seeing um, if you're seeing gaps in revenue or inconsistent performance, we see this in sales all the time, right? You can pick out the teams that are really consistent and and on their way up, uh, you know, in in scope of their performance. Yeah. Um, and other ones that are a little wonky, and it usually is something internally with that team or that that environment, that culture that is bringing people into this kind of chaotic performance. 
Yeah. And so leveraging the data is a good thing in that case to be able to analyze a bigger organization. Yeah. I'm going to flip it uh, with one more question uh, to you and then keep, while I'm doing this, you can think about a question if you want to ask me. Um, mm -hmm. We always sort of flip it on the other side. Um, and again, uh, really particularly this episode, thank you to Sendoso, Scratchpad, and Outreach. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, as you think about culture and organizations building culture, sometimes, particularly we come in the tech world, right? We work with these yeah. brilliant founders and they're going from C, Series A to Series B. And once they start to go from A to B, particularly when A rounds are now like $2,300 million, right? Um, yeah. Sometimes those founders kind of forget like that they need to, as they bring in more people, the cult, that's when a culture needs to shift. Yeah. Is that an accurate statement or am I inaccurate in that? No, I definitely think that, you know, I coached a lot of um, founders in that seed to series A kind of realm, right? When they're getting mm -hmm. out of their own founder led sales and, and hitting product market fit and hiring a sales team. And the number one thing that I constantly had to remind folks of is bringing people back into your vision. Like, why as a leader did you start the company that you started? What are you seeing now? And what is the vision for the next, you know, three, five years, whatever that looks like? Like, where do you want to go? Instead of getting caught up because you're getting the funding and you're getting traction, you're busy, right? You're really busy in the tactical things. So you have to really stay on top of that vision and that strategy and bring people back up to that because they're going to get in cycles where they're really, really busy and that can drag people into the rabbit hole. Got it. Got it. Got it. That That's really good. Do you find that they get annoyed that like, you know, I got to start caring about people. Like, don't they get it? Like particularly, you know, you, you and particularly it's like in my head, like the picture in my head is that founder led sale converting to regular mm -hmm. sales. Yeah. Right? And yeah. there's, there's amazingness in the high energy growth, the opportunity, the moonshot, yeah. All that stuff. I mean, that's why those of us who spend time in this world go to those places. Mm -hmm. And then to your point, we kind of get slapped in the face and burn out. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of advice have you been able to give to founders going who, who need to kind of step back and go, hold on. <laughs> like, yeah, I know yeah. We, I know the board's coming down on me, but I still got to manage these. Now I'm at 20 people or 50 people or 100 people. Yeah. That's where the leadership coaching comes in, right? And and just that perspective of like, oh yeah, like as a leader, I get to be responsible for this stuff that's happening, right? Above me, the board, the you know, investors, whatever. Um, and then I get to really lead and and lean into bringing everybody with me into the culture and the vision that I want to create. But I've got to quickly become a shift master in my energy to be able to do that. Because if I'm feeling the pressure, I can't let the other folks know know that, right? And I get yeah. to also release it. Otherwise, I'll drive myself completely bonkers. <laughs> um, totally. Yeah. So um, all of this, any book recommendations for people? It could be about the motherhood postpartum thing in business or, you know, you know being the super mom or the super parent or, yeah, you know, yeah. building culture, like any books that you like love to read. Dimension. Yeah. Do you have a book yet? Don't you have a book? I, well, I was just going to say in Q1, it's, it's just wrapping up, but in Q1, I'm releasing Leading Motherhood as a book. <laughs> and what it does. What's it called? Helps, What's it going to be called? It's called Leading Motherhood, just like my coaching program. Leading Motherhood. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, it, it, it shares a little bit of my story in a humorous way. 
of the things that I went through, but it also um, gives everyone tactical leadership development um, examples of uh, what they can do, right, through these different stages. And if if you're in in any part of parenthood, it's not just for new parents. It's really a leadership, you know, kind of book. So I'm so excited because it's more of a workbook that you all can use, and that will be coming out in Q1. Cool. And I'm can I say it's not just for motherhood, but men should read it too. That there's some good men should totally read it too. <laughs> I understand why you're going. Like I, I have no issue. <laughs> I, like because it's not written. Like this is the kind of stuff that's not talked about. And in some cases, it's like, oh well, now we got to call it this. And it's like, well, no, right? Motherhood is still motherhood. Like we can we can yeah. be inclusive and still use that kind of a word. Um, so. So I want to make sure people know that like this is, yes, it's geared towards those moms. That's your yeah. personal experience. It should be geared that way. Um, right. It doesn't mean we shouldn't read it. Um, so, you know. If, yeah. If and another one that I think is really good is um, a book called Power of Full Engagement. And I just want to share that with people because it's all about, uh, it's all about really recovering emotional, physical, and spiritual energy points throughout your day. And that truly is the key to not becoming burned out, not letting anxiety into your life, all of those kind of things. So that what's is a also powerful. What, what's it called? The power of full engagement. Powerful engagement. Okay. Yeah. Power of full engagement. Power of, thank you. Power of full engagement. Um, have you read No Rules Rules, the Netflix story yet? Mm -mm, no. You know what? Um, I think you might like it. I really mm -hmm. loved it, but it is about how they built the culture. And it oh, is okay. about how they were one of, if not the first, no vacation things. You know, there's no vacation time. And yeah. then how they actually made sure it worked because people would feel guilty for taking time off, like how they really did it. And then they share stories about how companies failed at it <laughs> because they didn't <laughs> do what they suggested. So uh, right. so, I, so it's a, it's a lot about, and it's fun. Like we all have Netflix, like it's a fun story and that, you know, Blockbuster turned down buying them for $50 million. Like it just like all those kind of NBA stuff though. Um, yeah, that's cool. it's pretty heavy on culture. I think you'll, I think mm -hmm. you'll appreciate it and like it. Um, any questions for me? Like, you know, is anything you want to ask if you don't, that's cool. But you know, we always like to turn it to the, to the guest. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so Richard, I know you've done some great work in the sales community and in, in shedding awareness on, you know, mental health. Um, you know, kind of what are you seeing out there right now that is that is helping people, you know, move through in this next phase? I think everyone's kind of done with talking about post-pandemic in a way, but at the same yeah. time, we get to move on with life in a in a different way of dealing with, you know. I think um I think there are two things. So one um, I think people are way more comfortable talking about it, yeah. mental health. I think they realize it. You know, it's interesting that, and I also think we're about to have another problem. It's interesting yeah. because um, so often leadership, and I don't care if it's business or politics or whatever, we, we get, and even me, like I get stuck in the, my habit of doing it. And, yeah. you know, it was like, for, for mental health, we don't talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. I was not raised to talk about it, right? It was, right. Shh, oh, someone's here. Right? Yeah. And it, yeah. Course, no, no, right? Yeah. <laughs> and growing up in the deep South, it was like, well, you know, I had to go to couples thing um, where they whispered, <laughs> right? And I'm like, we're at the dinner table. There's nobody, like, you know, there's no microphone. Yeah. Um, 
So I think the culture of talking about it has gotten better. Um, and it's interesting because, and even me, before I had my challenges, you know, leadership sucks at that stuff. In fact, mm-hmm. I've been in enough to know it's like, oh, you know, you can talk to the best leaders and they're like, how do I handle these millennials who just feel so entitled? <laughs> it's like, they don't know that, which is the same topic of mental, like, different topic but the same mindset well i don't know what to talk about so i'm not going to talk about it um mm-hmm. and then you get on the phone and you have these calls and it's like well how do you deal with these? And people start trying to share advice and they slowly figure it out and they did the same thing with mental health and um you know it, it's it's you know with tim clark and jeff risley who who and i who i've been working with for about five yeah. years now on this topic mm-hmm. so i feel like you know we we've really helped um bring the reduce the stigma the stigma still yeah. exists I think it's probably even harder for a woman going through some of the pregnancy things that may be going on. Um, Very, very different, uh, but still mental health. We've got a new state of mental health report coming out in the next few weeks. We did one last year in 21. We're doing one in 22. What I think is going to happen, though, is Mm. the airline fatigue. I'm tired of wearing a mask. Therefore, and I've been boosted. And so I'm not wearing a mask anymore. and that's okay. Like, I'm not here to tell everything I wear a mask. But part of this is just the fatigue of it, of that yeah. challenge. And so people are going to be fatigued by this mental health thing. Um, and I'm, I'm, I think newer companies are building it in better. I think some of the larger ones are doing better. But I'm not going to be surprised if there's a little bit of whiplash. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's, this again, it's the millennials. It's mental health. It's, oh shit, now it's work from home. You mean I got to stay working from home? And we're like shifting all this stuff around and nobody has a clue, but everybody's expecting perfection from leadership. And it doesn't mean leadership, quote unquote, gets a break, but leadership needs to kind of like chill the fuck out a little bit, you know, Um, and realize that you're going to make mistakes. And, um, and I think, I think it's the word I heard, I heard a golfer use this the other day. Um, I can't remember who said it, but he says the thing he's been working on this year is acceptance. Mm-hmm. He ex- will accept if he has a bad shot mm-hmm. much faster than he used to, because he knows that if he doesn't, it affects the next shot. Yeah. And it doesn't mean he like gets over it immediately, like he, mm-hmm. but he can take that deep breath and go, okay, all right, I can't do anything about that. Now, what am I going to do? And yeah. I feel like that's a place where we were we all need to get a little better around the mental health stuff. And so anyway, that's a very long answer. So yeah, no, I love that because, and that's what the leading motherhood book is all about. And this is what I teach women. I say, you know what? Like we've all, we've all had it discrimination in the workplace, like all that stuff still happens. Let's be honest. It does, but, and it's going to continue. Yes. And it's everywhere. (laughs) There is like life will happen. And so what I tell people is instead of her waiting for, you know, different, different things to happen in our, you know, government or different, everybody always tries, well, I'm waiting for this to happen. Don't just, you get to lead your life today and make choices every single moment of your day. You don't have to wait for someone else to spoon feed it to you. And that's leadership. So stand in your leadership and let's grow together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's look, you can, you can be empathetic and listen and be supportive and still encourage someone that at some point they have to make the choice to move forward. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it doesn't, you know, which was different. Mine was like STFU, go get back on the phone. You're, you're, you're not feeling motivated. I don't care. 
go. That's yeah. not my job. Like, go do go it. Go make your 70 dials. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, um, amylealooper.com. Um, Amy, it's been a pleasure. Really, really, yeah, really great. Um, you know, I will say it now, but I'll say it also. You know, say, if you want the raw files of this, Amy, let me know. I can give you, if you want to go use it, we'd love you to cut it up. It's up to you. Um, you, you don't have to, but, you know, just. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're, not an, we're not a big angry entity when we do shit so <laughs> all right so amy thank you i mean you got deep you got personal you shared some business success some life success you went into places we've never really talked about um and i i hope that uh I, i'm excited for this episode because i really want to push this one to like help some folks so um so yeah. amy, thank you so much really really appreciate the time as always Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it.